1: Welcome to Switched On Pop. I'm songwriter, Charlie Harding. And I'm musicologist, Nate Sloan. And I am joined by Morgan Page, who is a Grammy-nominated DJ and music producer. Welcome to the show. Hello, Morgan. Thanks for having me. Morgan Page in the house. So Morgan, as a quick point of introduction, you are a Grammy-nominated music producer and world-renowned progressive house DJ. And on top of making super danceable club anthems, you're also extremely thoughtful about the process of making great music. Thank you. I've been following your writing on music production for the last year or so and I wanted to invite you here today because I'm hoping that you'll unveil one of the most prevalent elements in music that is seemingly ubiquitous but also totally in disguise. (laughs) You call it the Rule of Three. What is this Rule of Three and why is it so powerful?
0: Yeah, so the first time I heard about The Rule of Three was visiting Jack Joseph Puig's studio at Oceanway. There was a Grammy tour, and he has this incredible Willy Wonka-esque studio with every mixer and compressor, every device in the universe, the audio universe. And he told me about The Rule of Three. Cool. So it basically has to do with that your brain can only hear three distinct things happening at once in right. music uh, or with anything really. So oh. it's kind of like uh, your bandwidth is limited in your brain. You can only really hear two conversations at once, two distinct conversations. It's almost like if you're at dinner, you can overhear like the couple next to you at the other table right. while huh. staying somewhat present in your conversation. Right. So it's what the conscious brain can do. The brain's just optimized to, to handle these, these two discussions, which is, that's really the maximum. And you can't really get past that. So you have to Alternate elements, or you know, one thing suffers. If you're listening to one conversation, your your processing is gonna suffer. Right? It's very hard to listen to three. Two is perfect. So we're gonna find some ways today that you can push those rules, and that three is actually a great number for it.
1: Cool. And so this is something which applies, I think, both as a producer of music, but also as a listener of music. Looking for those elements can be, I find, a really exciting way to hear things in a new context. So what we're gonna do today is we're gonna look at this rule of three. We're gonna see where it works where it's strongest. We'll look at some of the ways that it plays out through music history. We'll even try to see if there's places that it doesn't work, but we wanna do that obviously grounded in popular music. And so you've come to us with a song to explore in the first half.
0: That's right. So Julia Michaels' Issues. Yeah. And we're going to touch on both the acoustic and the original mix because there's really interesting contrast between the two. Okay,
1: fantastic. I I don't know about you, Nate, but Julia Michaels' Issues has been one of my favorite tunes.
3: Oh, I'm a big fan. I'm not familiar with the acoustic mix. I'm eager to hear that. But yeah, Issues, Julia Michaels. Wow. All right. Rule of three. Take us there. And so for those who may not be as familiar
1: with Julia, she is the 23-year-old songwriter, producer, performer, prodigy who has written for... Fifth Harmony, Demi Lovato, Haley Steinfeld, Justin Bieber, Selena Gomez, Britney Spears, Gwen Stefani, and the list goes on and on and on. And her single Issues, she wrote with Justin Tranter, Benny Blanco, and Stargate. It was released in January and has been climbing the Billboard charts with its idiosyncratic message about the anxieties of love using a really minimalist approach that I think is yes. successful and a great demonstration of the rule of three. So to start off, we should drop the needle and take a listen to Julia Michaels' issues.
2: I'm jealous. I'm overzealous. When I'm down, I get real down. When I'm high, I don't come down. But you don't judge me. Because if you did, baby, I'd touch you too. Now you don't. Judge me Cause you see it from the same point of view Cause I got issues But you'll get them too So give them all to me And I'll get mine to you Bask in the glory oh, All
3: You like this song? Um, yeah, I'm feeling it <laughs> I'm grooving hard It's kind of a rainy afternoon here in New York And it's bringing out a lot of feelings
2: And one of them is how bad I need you
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, complex feelings. So I thought just before we dove into how this song uses the rule of three, it'd be nice to just share a little bit about what is working about this song for us. So I'm curious for you, Morgan. what stands out about Issues? Why is this
0: song working? I think the biggest thing is this vocal cry that's happening in there. So mm. the way she's sort of twisting this emotion, it feels like she's really performing it, that she's really owning it, and it's yeah. not, definitely not phoning it in.
2: No, you don't judge me Cause if you did, baby, I did you too.
0: Yeah, so I, mean, I think when I'm recording vocalists, I'm always pushing for that extra level of commitment to the song. Mm. And she's she's really squeezing it out in a, a natural way. So mm. she sounds like she's crying to you on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. Which is huge. And that yeah. everything else is secondary in the song. You know, I don't love the pizzicato sounds, but they work really well in this. They have a nice contrast uh-huh. to it. Yeah. Uh, but... It's such a sparse open song, and that's why it's such a good example of rule of threes. Yeah. There's nothing competing for your attention and everything is is taking turns.
1: And her voice is definitely
3: it's got your attention for sure. Yeah. Nate, how about you? Uh yeah, I mean, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but even in like identifying this, I realize it might be an example of a rule of three thing. Hmm. But I was gonna say I really like the way she breaks up the verse.
2: I'm, I'm over uh, The pre-chorus but you don't. <laughs>
3: In the chorus
2: me, I got issues,
3: you got Into this seamless build Where it's like she, Her voice is moving higher and higher And the tension is rising and rising mm. And then it finally comes To like this culminating point With that amazing line As the music cuts out Yeah I got issues And one of them is How bad I need you
2: And one of them is How bad I need you <laughs>
3: Yeah. And then the cycle starts over. I just think that construction one, two, three, restart is kind of very, very successful. So I want to double down
1: on that because I love how she brings that idea together with the music itself. The opening chord progression is a non resolving chord progression. Oh, yeah. It goes from the four chord to the five chord and then down to the three chord, back up to the four chord. Of course, most chord progressions set up the expectation that they're going to resolve back home, but this one doesn't. It could have gone like this. but julia michaels prefers to keep us hanging in there keep us guessing
0: which is the best chord progression to have one that doesn't resolve it doesn't resolve it's the endless and so, loop that you totally. anticipate
1: and-, and what is she talking about about all the issues that she has and so you're thinking like these are unresolved issues and she's basically talking about the fact oh. that she's got issues and then the second verse is about her partner's got issues and when they get together i love this line she says all our problems, we got the kind of love it takes to solve them.
3: Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Uh. It's a different
1: take on a typical love song. It's saying, hey, I've got stuff that I'm dealing with and you do too and the strength of our relationship is our capacity to navigate them. It's a very nuanced and unique uh, perspective. I've never heard a song quite like this hmm. but there's this twist which is on one hand you say I've got issues and one of them is how bad I need you. I can't figure out if that is a positive quality or a negative quality right it's both like Is that I shade? Love you. she's throwing shade yeah <laughs> <laughs> like on one hand like you're my issue that I love but it's also an issue that I love you so badly and when she does that she goes back to this unresolved chord progression the line is unresolved and it goes back to this i've got
3: issues yeah,
0: is it passive aggressive i don't know
3: all- <laughs> Ooh, can i can i have one more I, I know we all just went around yeah yeah of course because i'm thinking now i was very drawn to the instrumentation with these strings i'm not sure if they're synthesized or highly processed but it's you know it's a very sparse texture with these strings and i was thinking it's like it's kind of a bold move to put them out there like that without any dressing at first but mm. i guess that's maybe that's the point supporting the fragility of the song's lyrics it's a very thin sort of reedy texture those strings and you're <laughs> like it makes me a little nervous almost when i first hear them
0: it's a ballsy move because it's almost this like disney cuteness right yeah uh, <laughs> yes totally. which i think it's it's sort of this uh, almost bipolar thing where she's talking about deep issues and having major problems and there's these cute strings softly hmm. plucking in the background mm. Ooh, a, so yeah. I think they must have chosen it for that reason yeah but it, and so if you listen to the acoustic mix it's interesting because it's a whole different feeling mm, right
2: you don't judge me cause if you dip
0: I like the acoustic one more, but I mean oh. this one's more successful. All right, I got one more.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we talked on our show a lot about text painting. Yeah. So, there's just just a great example of text painting in this song where mm-hmm. she says, "When I get down, I get real down. When I'm high, I don't come down." And the melody soars high and stays high when she says that, right? She's like it's something like uh
2: "When I'm down, I get real down. When I'm high, I don't come down."
1: and it stays high. (laughs) Yeah. So I literally love that moment. Ooh, that's good. We could just keep on going, but we said we were going to talk about the rule of three. So Morgan, how is this song using the rule of three? Can you help break this down for us?
0: Yeah, so the big thing is uh, in the first verse, and you hear it from the first note, is that things are taking turns to occupy your attention. So you know, in music, you want to be filling up space to create this wall of sound a lot of times, but you want to open it up. So you want to use all that bandwidth that's available all the frequencies hmm. but not necessarily at one time so what's happening as your attention shifts it's almost like a, a radio dial switching where we go from her voice and then the pizzicato is alternating with her voice so there's the oh. there's the bass line while she's talking I'm jealous. And then she takes a break and then the chords hit oh I'm
2: over jealous. so
0: everything's breathing and ebbing and flowing it's call and response when i'm down i
2: get real down
0: it's a question and an answer
2: when i'm high and, i don't come down
0: and it's happening very subtly and you you don't really hear it until you
1: really consciously listen back to it several times i had not noticed that and you're totally right even from the very beginning there's spaciousness between the only two elements that we have yeah
0: wow. and and you know, eventually they all come together in the chorus they all right. build but it starts out very sparse yep. typical form verse form where you're you right. have maybe two elements happening right. so mm. with the rule of 3 the 3 is usually the maximum limit Sometimes there's a fourth layer, but it's usually a bass line, is in there just providing the foundation and the root note of the chords, so I don't
2: count it.
1: And it's usually maybe supporting the same rhythm as the bass drum or the same rhythm as the lead and so it's it's just support and a support element i would
0: only count the bass as a distinct element if it's a lead Hmm. if there's like a bass solo or whatever so when i speak of rule of three it's three distinct conversations happening
1: Hmm. so it, it could be more than just three instruments but multiple instruments may be orchestrated such that they're supporting each other so like the pizzicato strings there's probably a string quartet in there but we consider that one element, right?
0: Yeah, they're playing in unison at different octaves. If they're hitting at the same time, I'm considering that the same phrase. So it's really the rhythm and the delivery and the the timbre. Uh, But if you're stacking everything together and everyone's singing the same note, that's just one layer right okay that's how we define it okay
1: yeah. so we so we start out in the you said in the verse we've got two elements so what happens yeah. next
0: yeah so after those the chords and the vocal are alternating there's the pre-chorus which has it's again the pizzicato chords and vox but it builds towards the bass and the kick so there's this right. duality between the bass and the kick are the same thing
2: so you don't judge me if you did baby,
0: Right. So it's pitched percussion. And a lot of times when I'm making music, I try to tune everything. You know, Maybe I'll shift the snare up a fifth or a third so that everything is hitting at these harmonic intervals. Huh. Just that's what the ear likes to hear. Huh. So with this, it's nice because you can achieve that fundamental bass presence and get the kick and have this bigger chorus without occupying a ton of
1: space. So to be clear, these are the same instrument. Yeah, it's, it's a distorted kick. kick. It's a distorted kick. It's a and tuned it, kick, essentially. And they're, they're pitching it to move around with the chords. Yeah. Huh. Whoa. Yeah, and the big part of it is
0: that so everything's interacting, you know, the kick is hitting at the same time as the root note of the pizzicato chords. Mm-hmm. So the, those chords have their little root note that before they play the triad or whatever it is they're playing. Yeah. So everything's alternating and there's this space and you can hear it ring out in the reverb. <laughs>
1: This song could almost sound too naked if there weren't a spaciousness to it. So you're saying they're putting a reverb on these strings to give it a sense of space.
0: If it was dry, if those pizzicato plucks were dry, it would sound kind of cheap, I think. I don't think uh, it would work huh. as well. So you're adding sustain to kind of create interest in the song and yeah. a lot of these songs will reverse elements to kind of create uh, an extra sustain and anticipation for the turnarounds uh, so uh, yeah so the reverb's really important role in it you know it's not a distinct huh. instrument in this but it's right, right right it's pulling the song along uh but you know throughout the song we go from sparse to dense and back again
1: yeah so describe density in this song i guess this would be in the chorus
0: this is a very sparse song in right, general right but in the chorus the most dense section is the final chorus where there's the vocal harmony I think she's singing like a triad of all the chords in the Mm -hmm. background that essentially the plucks were doing plucks are still there. There's synth sparkles. There's a ton of elements all working well, together. I like synth sparkles. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I won't count that as a distinct element because that's just sort of window dressing on there. That's just a texture. right? And it's not really a phrase. right? So it's and all
1: about phrases. They're playing the same thing. So really, it's just changing the tonal texture of it, but not adding a new element. It's just adding frequencies, I guess. It's
0: like when you were talking about the architecture examples of sound. We're changing the paint on the walls, but we're not... Putting putting new, uh-huh. put new posts and beams. Ooh.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Element is in elemental, and really the foundation. And then there's some lichen growing on it or something.
0: It's <laughs> a patina on the song. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
0: exactly. And they a lot of these things will pop up during these breathers and turnarounds and things. So huh. they're they're transitional elements. Mm. They're they're there to add the texture but they're not maybe saying anything really distinct.
1: If we listen to the chorus, are there basically three
0: elements that are popping out during the chorus that stand out? There are. And, and actually one of the most important things on there is that there's a vocal staccato layer. they take a chop of her voice and it's almost like a drone being chopped up oh, so yeah. repeating a single note and it's adding this tension and this urgency and it's also rhythmically pushing the song forward huh. and that's even in the acoustic mix so really? it tells you how important that was that they decided
1: to keep that in the acoustic oh, mix cool. okay i want to can we take a listen to that real yeah. quick yeah i want to hear that because i got
2: issues but you so give them my
1: So it's those ha 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 moments. Yeah, and they're really effective.
0: I mean, that's exactly what I would do if I was producing the track. (laughs) (laughs) They did the right thing.
1: (laughs) It seems like these these textural and sort of more producer changes really matter when you have very distinct minimalist elements.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and I think it's interesting if you look at the two different mixes, the acoustic mix, I, I miss the drums, I miss that punch, yeah. so I would maybe, if I were re- doing a remix of it, which I'm actually going to do, nice. just, for, Whoa, just for fun, because yeah. we're talking about it, yeah. and I want to play this out live. A scoop. Yeah. scoop. <laughs> uh, Breaking I the, news. I want the punch of the drums, but I want that intimacy of... The space of the original of both mixes, so just that chorus oh, yeah. is so powerful. Huh. I, could, I could never play something with pizzicato strings out live that just wouldn't
1: work, it doesn't, it, unless it, it doesn't. was like an epic <laughs> trance mix, you right, know? Right. <laughs> So, um would this be a good time to close out the julia michael song or do you have anything else you'd want to point about the rule of three in it
0: um i think you know the big thing too is and we were talking about rotation with the song and that yeah to keep things fresh your brain almost can't remember everything it's heard before it so you can rotate and still stay fully focused and occupied on the song as it switches to just baseline and a vocal or the chords come in it doesn't feel like anything's missing so yeah. the trick is figuring out how to rotate these elements so that everything is being heard mm-hmm. and you're not wishing you could keep layering more things on it so as a producer you're always juggling that like do i add more layers do i take away Mm. and i know a song is done when i can't remove anything else Mm. that's when you know you're done and it's a really hard point to get to Mm. because it's very tempting to just layer more and more and more but you can't hear it so that's what the rule of three is all about it's about there's a certain cognitive bandwidth your brain can only hear so many things at once and your ear can only hear that many things at once as well because all these sounds are going to mask each other they're going to sound muffled uh, right. things will distort things will phase out so you physically can't have even if you could mentally process that many things yeah uh they're all going to step on each other so you huh. have to rotate the elements delete tracks swap things out and be really clever you know yeah. have the bass be the kick have the lead the bass and the kick
1: be uh, one element i think a great example where she's using rotation to keep our interest is in the bridge the bridge is using basically the same chord progression, but the elements are different than we've heard them in any other context. So this is different because we have the pizzicato strings, we have the sort of sparkly stuff that we had in the chorus but we've lost her lead vocal and just have the backing vocals. So it's a totally new arrangement and we've lost the kick and the thing that, that's pushing us forward, which I think is probably effective because it sets us up for wanting something to come back.
0: And it's interesting bridge too, because you singing the chorus, whereas yep. you know the Max Martin trick is swap out the pre-chorus instead of writing a new verse bridge. Huh. or you know. But I, I like to get lazy sometimes and I'll just do the, the chorus and then repeat it again, because you really <laughs> want to hammer that home. Yep. But sometimes I think the strict bridge would be, oh, don't, even say the title or build up to the title. Mm. Um, Maybe you do the bridge then the pre-chorus. But Mm -hmm. it's
1: a whole different technique. She's a good writer. Yeah. Okay. I think that that is a a sufficient exploration. That's pretty exhausting. This is a deep dive. This is a deep dive into a very minimalist song. What I want to do when we come back is look at whether or not this is a, a Julia Michaels thing and if this rule of three holds well across the rest of the billboard and and other popular music and sort of stretch it to see whether or not there's places where maybe it doesn't hold we'll explore that on the other half
3: right on
0: this is it we've got an amex platinum pro on our hands ladies and gentlemen we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the centurion lounge is he connecting to complimentary wi-fi oh my look at that he is and you will not believe where he's going next
1: Welcome back to Switched on Pop. In the first half, we completely took apart Julia Michaels' issues, and what I want to do now is check in and see, are there some other songs that you could bring to us that are using this tool really effectively? Let's see if we can triangulate this idea. Any other tracks that you think use this really effectively?
0: I think that Maroon 5, Cold, is one of the best examples on the
1: charts. Yes, absolutely. Nate, do you know Cold?
3: I do, and I, I can't help but find it to be a very catchy number
1: so why don't we play uh, maroon 5's cold for just a moment this is uh also with future and uh, and i guess we can see how it uses the rule three
3: cold enough to chew my bones it feels like i don't know you anymore Time time I can't in between. Beautiful. I All right. Cold. Huh. Yeah, cool. Take us through it. I mean, with cold. Me. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nate, that was bad. <laughs> I've held so many more back. When you said triangulate, I was like, don't say anything, don't say anything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I think the big thing with this, uh, just like the other single we listened to with Issues, there's a lot of sparse elements that are taking turns. So there's this initial chorus i call it a teaser chorus yes uh which is an interesting technique of kind of locking you in early instead of just going first to the verse right Uh, a lot of guys do this it's just vocal and bass and there's a touch of that muted guitar Mm. so there's three things i would say primarily two because you go into the verse and it's really just the vocal and the bass together and the bass and the kick are the
1: same thing ah okay just like in issues
3: cold enough to my bones
0: So there's a duality of the kick and the
3: bass.
0: Muted guitar is really serving as a turnaround element. It's it's pulling the rhythm a little bit, and it's adding a lot, but it's not taking all your attention. It,
1: it's almost like a James Brown approach to guitar, which is consider it in the rhythm section. Don't think about it as a, as a lead element doing its own thing. Yeah, and
0: it's only playing for that one or two bars there, mm. so it's a very yep. quick element. Yep. It's not this constant element that's legato that's taking up all the room in mm. the song.
1: Another producer might have, you could have done like a, a snare roll leading into the next moment. Yeah,
0: it could be like the Zed Timbali roll. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh but it's really satisfying i love it when there's this vocal and just the bass and not even mm. chords mm. i'm i'm a big chord guy so i think it's amazing when people can pull it off to just have that the acapella you know that bare vocal and mm. a bass line mm. and you get goosebumps like that's mm. incredible mm. there's just you know two voices
3: going on there
1: essentially Cold enough
3: to my bones it feels like-
1: like Julia, the Maroon 5 vocal has a real distinct quality to it. It's a real person on the other side who has, uh, who forms their words in a distinct, unique way. He has these funny, its I don't know if they're also vocal fries, but you hear these "uh" sort of things underneath in between words that make it sound like, you know, it's right there in front of you.
3: Cold. Are we taking time or time out? I can't take the in between. Asking me for space
0: yeah and he's always changing the cadence i think it's interesting he'll sort of speed up and slow down and there's a very clear syncopation on the word cold and it's it's really providing that emphasis so the, the vocal is a rhythmic driver in mm. this for sure mm.
1: And it seems like it's important to have a bold vocal if all you've got underneath you is a bass line to support you.
0: Yeah, I think just like we were talking about earlier, you're assembling the post and beams of your musical structure. And mm. if you get one of those pieces wrong, the house falls apart. Mm. So that vocal has to be incredible and during the production process a lot of times what i'll do is i'll I'll solo elements and mute tracks and try to find that best combination because sometimes you just have too much stuff piled on there and you can't hear that there's a hit song underneath Uh, and it takes that process of muting it to find what those posts and those beams are that are going to be the foundation for the song sometimes you don't know
1: yeah okay so then we've got our posts and our beams right what is our roof (laughs) what is the third piece holding the whole thing together
0: At its densest moment in the chorus it's the vocal the bass and the bass is the drum and there's a, there's more percussion going on there as well there's piano chords so the big change really beyond the additional drums are the chords you know, okay the, yeah there's triads going on there it's a piano chord I think right and that that really just creates that satisfying chord progression feel, which always amazes me with the vocal and bass, because it's like, how can that be satisfying with those two things Mm. without a chord? Like, where's the chord? And the chord can come from the harmonies or it could be a keyboard section. But with this, it's fairly low-level piano chords that are in there Mm. and just a big beat driving everything along.
1: So we have a couple of different elements coming in here. At the, at the chorus, we got this sort of fullest moment. How does Cold use this idea of rotating different elements to mm. give you a new context?
0: I think the most interesting rotation, I mean, between the space of the chords, I mean, there's a fairly layered things happening, but future's integration where he is the response to the call. Huh. So huh. in the final chorus, after he ducks in for... I think it was the verse of the bridge. He comes in and he's he's saying cold and he has this refrain where he's reinforcing the title as a response to Adam Levine. Mm. Uh, yeah, so his refrains they're sort of rising and becoming more of this primary lead element and if you had heard them earlier in the song i think it would have taken away from the impact of the chorus mm. so you have like your first rep of the chorus where it's fresh and you're like oh there's chords there it sounds interesting it would have been overwhelming with future all over it because he hasn't been introduced yet totally and you don't even notice that's the beauty of the rotation right, right. it's almost it reminds me of when they would do taste tests between different colas and if you <laughs> you can taste the difference when it's an a b test you yeah. can process that but when there's three choices you can't do a proper taste test that way. Your brain cannot handle it. So whether it's drinking soda or listening to musical elements, it's
1: like a shell game. You're gonna lose track. But here what we're getting is a quick rotation of things. It's not to say that we can only hear three things for a long period of time, but here we're getting maybe element one, two, and three for a second, and then two, three, and four for a second, and then five, two, and one for a second. And they're constantly rotating and your attention is being drawn into things and then out to other stuff. I imagine, especially in dance music, that must be a really effective way to put people in almost like a trance-like sort of state. Yeah,
0: it's it almost reminds me of those Old Spice commercials where something happens every like microsecond, and you're like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm still <laughs> watching this commercial, <laughs> the man on
1: the horse sort of thing. It,
0: it, but, so in electronic music, it's like with complextra, which is sort of, I don't know, that's turned into other things like with both dubstep and any of these really complicated right. subgenres.
1: Right. Do you have a favorite example of, of something from that? That genre. I think if you listen to any of the Skrillex
0: stuff, yeah. he's doing a lot of these complex modulations and movements. <laughs> you know, automating a lot of things. Things are morphing and changing over time. There's something changing. It's not just every bar, it's within the bar. So you have micro changes, micro rotations happening where people are dropping these one little one-shot samples of bass sounds and growls and things like that. And your brain doesn't even know what's going on, but it loves it. It's this novelty. (laughs) So it's this sugar rush and attention switching that's going on. And by the way to do it, though, is that you're still focusing on one element at a time or you're focusing on the rule of three. For that given moment in time but
1: you basically have a quarter second to right. catch three things and then right. the next quarter second you're on to the three this others
3: that's like psychological warfare it's it's i've never thought about production in this way it's fascinating
0: but in general one example that i almost didn't hear for years is that even with a drum fill you let that moment let the build be the build i always say mm-hmm. and you're sort of introducing change before change so if you're introducing a new element just focus on the drum fill don't focus on the chord or the vocal if you want to introduce something you focus on one thing drop it out so it can be a drum fill it could be just the vocal so in this song every transition it's just a bare vocal for like half a bar or a bar
3: yeah
2: when we're kissing feel so different
3: baby tell me how did you get so cold oh, right. to my
1: Huh. okay so <laughs> <laughs> i had a couple of other songs that i think are, are using this method really effectively some songs we've covered on the show like ed Sheeran's shape of you we talked last week about D- dj khaled's i'm the one here, both start minimally and then build and rotate different elements. I'm also really loving Selena Gomez's new track, Bad Liar, hmm. which opens up with this interpretation of the Talking Heads' Psycho Killer. Where you basically have just this bass line and I think some claps happening and a totally dry, bare vocal.
2: I was walking down the street the other day, trying to distract myself, but then I see your face. Oh, wait, that's someone else. Sorry.
1: And this song sort of moves in and out of these different elements. And, and it always, actually, this song I always say is pretty simple, uh, but does follow the rule of three, I think, really nicely. I thought it'd be fun to look at maybe some classical examples that do it as well. I've been listening a lot this week to the 50th anniversary re- re-release of the Beatles, Sgt. Peppers, and I was listening to the song When I'm 64, and I think this is actually another great example. I'll just play it really quickly. You start off, you've got some winds, you've got a bass, you got a drum. When
2: I get older, losing my head, Many years from
1: now And kind of like the Cold and Julia Michaels, the kick drum and the bass are basically the same thing. <laughs> They're layered on top of each other to be more or less one element. So you basically have the winds, yeah. the when kick bass, older, and Paul McCartney. And the song then cycles through different elements of these things, taking prominence and receding into the background. Sometimes a piano comes in and then maybe the winds drop out. Will you
2: still be sending me Of wine.
1: Or backup harmonies take over and other elements kind of fade into the background for a moment. Be it's
0: like who's the star? Who's the lead player? And who's the what's the foil? Mm, you know, what's yeah. the supporting role that, uh-huh. that's creating the contrast? Right.
3: My task was to go through the classical canon. And try and come up with some counter examples where composers uh, just ignored or actively uh, worked against the rule of three. (laughs) (laughs) And I was able to find a few. And maybe not surprisingly, they're all from the modernist movement of the 20th century century move towards atonality and dissonance and chaos so composers like igor stravinsky and arnold schoenberg who were deliberately trying to create music that was difficult and alienating and hard for your brain to process (laughs) i've never Ah, quite necessarily thought of it in this way but often would use many more elements than as morgan was saying earlier your brain or your ear can handle that is the point of their work. Right. I don't think we should see this as like their misunderstanding the principle of the ruler threes, rather their conscious bucking of that knowledge in order to huh. disorient and overwhelm <laughs> the listener.
1: Do you have a good example? Yeah,
3: I do. I do. Arnold Schoenberg's song cycle, Pierrot Lunaire, from 1912 for voice piano clarinet flute violin cello so we've got six instruments in total and i feel like in this song every single one of them is doing something completely different and independent and again as Morgan was saying you quickly your brain quickly discovers like wow i cannot process all of this at the same time it's way too much but i think again <laughs> that's exactly the point what's the piece called so let's check out der mond fleck
2: that's
3: i don't
1: amazing. even know how you perform that that's wild yeah you know I, but, but i'm not sure it breaks the rule of three because i almost feel like there's like a cacophonous layer of sounds which are basically an underlying musicality that supports her lead vocal that jumps out above them all be tough to c- cover an acoustic guitar <laughs> That
3: would be unpleasant. I see what you're saying. And yet I feel like this doesn't In fact, no, I retract that. I don't see what you're saying. This is insane. You are (laughs) no, no. You you were just trying to be difficult. This is cacophony. (laughs) That's the point of it. How many different
0: instruments are in there? Do we know how many? Well, that's a good
3: question. I know there's six in the ensemble, but I wonder if all of them are playing. I didn't I'm not sure I heard a cello, for instance, there. Mm. I'd have to look into that. But there's probably at least four or five. Yeah.
0: Well, I think it's like when you look at the rule of three, what are the goals you want to accomplish? Mm -hmm. So I think when you set out with intention to create a song, you're looking for memorability, repeatability. You want it to be something someone could sing back, play a cover of. You want chart Mm. success. You know, what are your goals (laughs) of the song? If you want to create texture, you can just do texture or noise. It could be a museum art piece. Right. And I think the rule of three applies most to success in pop music. Right. Right. uh, Typically. But I think even in classical, it'd be an interesting comparison if you compared scores, movie scores, hmm. where there's a lot of layering, but it's a lot of instruments in an orchestra playing the same note or a fifth or a third. Right. They're not going well beyond that. Jazz would be a really interesting exception too.
3: Hmm. Right.
1: What do you think, Nate, Mr. Jazz Scholar?
3: Yeah. No, I think that's a great point. Classical composition before this modernist period tends to privilege that kind of clarity and and limpidness that Morgan was describing. Yeah. Jazz by contrast is more i mean depending on what area you're talking about but sort of going beyond your conscious ability to parse and process and sometimes getting to something sort of deeper and more unruly within your your psyche
0: it's like the original complex was uh jazz <laughs> <laughs> the original complex yeah well it really Weird example, I was I watched The Dead and Company play at Hollywood Bowl a few days ago. Oh, cool. and I'm, I'm not a big deadhead, but I wanted to go to just see what was going on, because right. there's not even that many players up there, even though there's two drummers. Yeah. There's two drummers, a bassist, two guitarists, and a vocalist. And a keyboardist. And a keyboardist, yeah. But they're all soloing, is what I found.
3: Mm-hmm. And,
0: and maybe I'm wrong about that, but... You almost don't hear a chord progression because it's all these singular voices of instruments weaving in and out. Almost a little jazzy, almost a little bluesy. Yeah. There doesn't appear to be... There's a lot of moments where there isn't a prominent lead and everything is interweaving. And then they allow the lead to shine.
1: It's not surprising you know? considering their psychedelic roots and maybe a desire to push the boundaries of consciousness. And so I think the the interweaving soloing where people are listening to each other and responding to each other but also are their own unique thing are probably pushing our ability to pay attention and maybe similar to... Uh, the Skrillex method pushing us to be in a more sort of trancey way of listening.
0: Yeah. It all comes back to what are the goals of what you want to do with that? It's, it's more extended versions of songs that are continuous and there's not really a break. I Mm -hmm. mean, they put in a very deliberate intermission, you know, it's a four hour show. But they keep going and extending it and you're not really sure where it starts or ends a lot of the time. So that's a cool effect and a very different goal, a very different outcome from uh, these efficient pop songs that are like sports cars constructed to be very tight (laughs) and very neat and and end at... Two minutes twenty nine seconds, or three minutes, however long yeah. Yeah. it was. And you know, the interesting thing with, I thought it was a new thing that streaming created songs that were getting shorter and shorter. Sure. But it's really just going back to the past. Yeah, it's uh, going yeah, back we to were, the early we singles. Playing Beatles and I was reading the, um, Keith Richards' book, and he was talking about two minutes twenty nine seconds. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's much shorter than even what I'm doing now. Yeah, that's tailored yeah. towards the streaming world. Yeah,
1: Nate, do you have any other examples that you wanted to introduce that challenged this idea of the rule of three as a successful? modality
3: um you know <laughs> i was kind of it's kind of funny because i was going to propose uh possibly some tracks off *Sgt. peppers <laughs> like um really i think you're right when i'm 64 is a great example but then you go a little further to something like a day in the life
2: Every-
1: well like the wall of sound I mean which song well that was that was the other counterexample that I was thinking about was was looking at the wall of sound as a whole Uh, concept the uh, Phil Spector sound and so I actually I went and listened to Ike and Tina Turner's Deep River Mountain High just check this out for a second When I first heard this, the Wallace Sound is this idea of just filling the entire sonic spectrum with that you're you're totally kind of overwhelmed. But I felt like even this song kind of fulfills that concept where you have all this orchestrated percussive elements which are kind of the same thing. Uh, The guitar, there's a, I don't know if there's horns or strings or other stuff in the background. (laughs) And they all come together as a one element. You have the drums, the percussion, bass, and then you have her vocal, and they still sort of follow the rule of three. Oh, 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 you, even, even a lot of the Beatles stuff, like there's moments of reference to things like Schoenberg and A Day in the Life, for example, right? Where all of these wild orchestral elements start playing on top of each other and creating all this chaos, but that's sort of an artistic intent. But oftentimes when you have a verse or a chorus, they still, I think, adhere to it fairly uh, um, religiously. And I think I, I, the way I look at it is almost like actors,
0: that one role, the role switches. So when you have, mm. and sometimes you, the role is playing two characters, but it's like throughout this, the story of the song, one element can rotate and, and morph into something else where, mm. so like uh, Swedish House Mafia, they had this huge song uh, one, and the kick turns into the line mm. over time. Mm. isn't just it isn't occupying both at the same time Hmm. but it increases uh in sound the way they 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 morph from that one kick sound and they repeat it into these micro samples and it morphs into a tone
3: well nate (laughs) i'm just i'm just grinning like an idiot because this is so cool morgan thank you for expanding our producer minds to think about music through this rubric of the rule of three and i see what you mean because it's been instructive for me because I see that now it's like, it's not the amount of stuff that's happening at any one time. Rather, it's how that is compartmentalized into these different elements. So that say, even if there is like, you know, a whole orchestra, like if they're playing the same thing, then that's not... You know, a hundred elements, that's just one element.
0: Right, it's the phrases, distinct phrases. And, you know, it's definitely a guideline. It's a rule book, just the same way the golden ratio applies to art and dimensions and proportions. And the same with the rule of thirds for photography. It's not an exact science, sure, but it really, it gets close. It's like a heuristic, you know, it, yeah. it
1: gets, it gets you most of the way there. I definitely listened down to a lot of songs, like the top 20 songs in the charts right now. And I couldn't find one that seriously broke that rule in, in a meaningful way. So this is an awesome way to think about music, to listen and to produce music. Thank you so much for sharing the rule of three with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Where can people both find your music and uh, where can they hear you? So all the tips and everything that we talked
0: about uh, that I get into, I, we go really deep deep, really granular with it. So it's mpquicktips.com, MP like Morgan Page. And follow me on Twitter at mpquicktips. So those are daily tips. There's over 600 of these that I've compiled over six years of this project. Yeah, and you can also check me out online, morgan-page.com. I do a a weekly radio show for SiriusXM and that's on bpm you can check it out on there and download the podcast
1: fantastic yeah and and uh my understanding is you are basically constantly on tour so if people want to see you live check out your your website for tour info and they you're probably heading towards someone's city real soon <laughs> yeah
0: check it out online morgan awesome
1: morgan thank you so much thank you thank you morgan this episode of switched on pop was produced by me charlie harding
3: and me nate sloan
1: brilliant editing done by bill lance designed by
3: luke harris we are a very proud member of the Panoply Network. One of the best parts of doing this show is talking with everyone who listens to it. So please, if you have a thought on the rule of three or anything discussed therein, please reach out. It's switched on pop, Twitter, Facebook, email. You know how to find us.
1: You can find past episodes on any podcatcher. We would love it if you left us a review on iTunes, where we've been getting more reviews and rhyme, which is very exciting. I think we might have to read one next time around. Okay. So if you leave one, it might get red. How exciting. And in two weeks, we're gonna be back with a very special 90s throwback episode celebrating the 20th anniversary of a very important well, we're gonna keep you hanging on that one. Until then, thanks, thanks for listening.
3: listening. This is it.
0: We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen.